0: What did, uh, what did you think of the Super Bowl?
1: Uh, well, I, uh, I was pretty disappointed because Tom Brady killed the fucking Chiefs. Oh, my God. I, I think going into it, everyone thought that it would be a lot closer. You know, the Chiefs had the number one offense, I believe, all season. You know, they have Patrick Mahomes, who's a very young quarterback, arguably the best in the NFL right now. Second have, year
0: in a row being it like, back-to-back yeah, tor- uh, Super, Bowls. Super Bowl appearances. I mean, that's, that's
1: huge. You know, he has, he has one of the best wide receivers in the game, arguably the best tight end in the game. I mean, they have a really good team. And the Buccaneers, you know, in the beginning of the season, they really struggled. But they came together towards the end. And, I mean, they just... Uh, they were you know, they just played better. They played way better all, all over the place. Their defense was unbelievably good. They shut down the Chiefs, right? They the Chiefs had three field goals. That's it. Not a single touchdown. They didn't throw a single touchdown. And, wow, you, uh, you're
0: right. They didn't. It was all field goals.
1: Yeah, oh. I mean that's that's pretty unbelievable for a guy like Patrick Mahomes. And uh Tom you know, Tom Brady, I after they, they interviewed the owner of the Buccaneers and he said something along the lines of My father always said, you know, uh, if you're trying to uh, find a place That you've never been to um, You know Follow someone Who's been there before And we found that person it was Tom Brady It was something along those lines I mean it's true Right Tom Brady yeah. has, has not been at his best This season You know He's still good But he's 43 years old He's definitely His age is showing uh, But he was great In the Super Bowl I mean he just He made great decisions uh, You know his, his arm accuracy I think was pretty on point point. Um, and he just had Great cam- I mean Gron- Gronkowski had two two touchdowns, you know the chemistry there is just unbelievable, and they they just totally dominated the Chiefs thirty one to nine.
0: I um now obviously I'm not the sports guy. I am trying to start a sports co- podcast with Kenny, so hopefully he'll listen. To oh really? And be, like, <laughs> and be like, oh like this is you know, uh, this this sounds legit. We could talk like this the two of us, you know. <laughs> um, but uh. But yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Brady and it has nothing to do with how he plays. If I was a fan of him based on how he plays, I'm a fan after yesterday, you know, like he Yeah. You know, I'm used to seeing quarterbacks and I don't watch football or, or any sports that often, you know that. But I'm used to seeing them like throw passes that are in some sort of parabola. He was okay. throwing bullets. He was a yeah. fucking sniper for the most part, and I was blown away that rushing game was was insane. Like Yeah, it was, I, I was really like, good. Wow. And, you know, and they had had some really, really great players working together. And uh, it was a shame that it wasn't more of a back-and-forth, even if the end result would have been similar, like, you know, the same same team winning. Right, agreed. You know, but, uh, yeah, that part was a little disappointing.
1: But, yeah, I mean, I think the Bucs 100% deserved that win. They they played better in every aspect. Uh, You know, I know some people can make some arguments that the refs were a little... Hard on the Chiefs, right? They were like everything yeah. was a penalty. <laughs> there <It> was definitely
0: only on the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, you know, it definitely could have been uh, some penalties. I think they, they, that should have shouldn't have been called, but I, I don't think they would have won regardless. You know, I really think the Bucks just proved they were they were the better team last night for for whatever reason. The Chiefs just looked sloppy. They made a lot of mistakes. You know, defensively. Mahomes got
0: the most cardio out of everyone, running away from trying not to get sacked. Oh. The pr- oh my god, the pressure
1: they had on him, man. He was running backwards every play, that guy, you know. And, and a lot of his receivers were just dropping the balls. You know, Kelsey had a big drop, uh, I forget who the other receiver was that dropped in the end zone. You know, they just you got to come up with those big plays when you're behind. no maybe didn't. I'll start
0: a sports podcast with you, <laughs> uh, and then also have a uh, acclaimed sports writer Kenny on it so that mm. way we, you know. And now we only have to do do work. Uh, yeah, I the thing that really got me was um, now I didn't see it last night, but I saw a lot of people uh, mentioning that Scientology had an ad taken out in the Super Bowl, which uh, I know they they did a few years ago. According to a tweet I saw, the past five years they've had um, a, a Super Bowl ad. Scientology. Interesting. And, I mean, I don't I don't really think now that that's in reference to that tweet. I know they've had at least one more from my own uh, personal experience, but like, I don't know why anyone's surprised at this point. Like they will take money from anyone, anything. They are absolutely shameless. We saw that they're like, oh, these players are kneeling down and we're ending racism and it's the fucking best thing ever. Like, okay, cool. Why is get cap another get him a job then? Yep, get Kaepernick. Why, job. Why, like, why is
1: Kaepernick still still not playing, right? I mean, he, I don't know how old he is now. He, he can't be that old, though. I'm he's sure not 43. He, he... <laughs> yeah, no, there you go. He's not 43. But I even said to you, you know, it, it, it's funny how, like, all these commercials, right? Like, Jeep commercials, beer commercials you named are all about unity in the United States of America and get back to what we're known for and, you know, together we can do this. And it's like, you know, now that Joe Biden's president, everyone was like, all right, fuck yeah, we got a commercial. You know, we're going to sell unity. We're going to sell, you know, togetherness in America and we're going to make people buy our shit. And that was, that was seen to be the theme
0: of, I'd say, like half the commercials that played last night. And remember this, listeners, true unity, true freedom cannot be bought it has to be fought for. Damn right. Damn. From one way or the other. Right. There we go. And that's 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 me. I'm getting into my Malcolm mode for this episode, baby. Oh I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Oh yeah. Um, I have not seen any uh, reviews since since uh, since since GT Crow a couple weeks ago. So that being said, you just want to bring in the theme music. Let's do it. All right. Come on in. Happy Friday and welcome back to the Politipop podcast, the podcast where we take your favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I am your co-host, Mike Booch, a.k.a. the pseudo-intellectual Soy Boy, and in my second seat, as always, is my co-host, Ty. Hey, what's up, man? Dude, I am very excited to review today's movie. Uh, I, I remember that they showed it to us in high school, like a couple of scenes, and this is yes, our that's right. white high school, but you were in urban uh, urban studies as well, right? i I was, yeah, and I, I I remember I remember seeing scenes from
1: this film, not you mention it, but uh, just just a couple, I think, right?
0: yeah, they they didn't really go that that far into it. We went to a high school in which they had a class called Urban Studies. And urban studies was actually nicknamed cities class. So we would just learn about the history of New York City because we were a train ride away from it. And we would go into the city and, and, you know, learn about the history, see it in in person and learn how to take the subway and everything. Yeah, you go to Harlem
1: and stuff. Oh, you, you didn't do any of that?
0: Well, I mean, I was supposed to learn, but I ended up fucking around the whole time, hanging oh. out with you, yeah, um, wanting to just get food in the city. So, like, I had to learn how to take the subway afterwards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I used to bring my camera and just fucking around with it and shit. Yeah, we we definitely didn't take
1: it as serious as we should have, but it was a really cool class. I remember I really enjoyed it, you know. But who who doesn't want to get out of school and go into Manhattan, right?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, now, other than other than that experience, did you have any? Um, preconceptions about the movie any 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 thoughts anything you thought it was going to be um i i
1: didn't expect it to focus so much on malcolm's life pre-nation of islam i think that's that's the one thing that kind of surprised me because i think the first hour and 20 minutes is actually all before that uh and this is a this is a three and a half hour film almost so you know it's it's pretty lengthy but i just i didn't expect it to focus so much on... Yeah, I figured they'd bring up his childhood and everything, but, you know, really spending time with him, uh, you know, before he joined the nation and, and seeing what he was up to. So, uh, that, that was pretty much it. You know, I, know it's a, I knew it was a Spike Lee film, and, you know, Spike Lee has a very, uh, you know, um, specific kind of style, and, you know, so I, I was kind of ready for that. But, uh, yeah, I think that was the only surprise for me.
0: Yeah, I just remember the scene in which he was in jail um, in prison and, uh, and brother Gaines was talking to him and, and trying to, you know, introduce him. And he talked about Elijah Muhammad and my dumbass guys, you have to understand that, that when, that when I was growing up, I, I made it a point to like, know as little as possible. Like I didn't care about history. I didn't care about religion. I didn't care about politics and I didn't know anything about geography. I still struggle with that today. Um, I, I mean, they Same. taught us some stuff in school. I think a part of it was also just at home, you know, none of this stuff ever, ever really mattered. It was always, once again, putting the dots together, right? It was always entertainment, at, like, at home. It was always, let's relax, watch a movie, watch a show, read some comic books, stuff like that. And now, I guess at this point, it's just me really trying to put those two worlds together. Um yeah you know in order to let you know that while you are sitting on your ass you know Malcolm says at one point in this movie he says you know they send drugs they send alcohol they you know they send prostitution all these things into into our neighborhoods to pacify us and when he said that I came to the to the conclusion that you know entertainment is also a form of pacification uh but it can also be a form of activism it's it's also a form of art and right right you you know it i don't think it's enough to just be entertained anymore i think you do have to read between the lines of whatever it is that you're watching like anything it could be a reality tv show
1: i definitely i definitely agree to an extent i mean i think sometimes uh you know entertainment can be just entertainment i do i do think that but you know when you're in a time of political strife and I think if you if you believe in a cause, right? Why not use that platform to to speak about it and and kind of do your part? So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, if you if you can, why not? But I guess you know there there are definitely some you know filmmakers, for example, out there who probably don't have those kind of viewpoints. I want to make uh, explosion movies like Transformers um, and and be pro military. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> And we saw Taylor Sheridan likes to do both. He likes to make pro military stuff and and somehow let everybody know that indigenous women are being murdered and kidnapped, and we really need to take care of that. And, he, That's right. and Taylor Sheridan does it all. He's um, a, listen he's to our the military Yoko needs band. to save them. Let's go. Yes, we need to get all. We need to get the National Guard onto these reservations. Be like, eh. probably not a great precedent for that. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> been there, done uh, that, probably. But yeah, we speaking of precedents, we don't really we don't really have one as far as uh like. A Black History Month uh, precedent. This is the first time we're actually doing it. Last year we released our Black Panther episode, which I believe was recorded a year before. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So we're reviewing uh, Malcolm X, a Spike Lee joint, as um, as our second film of our, our Black History Month retrospective, if you want to call it that, or special, or you know, you can spotlight.
1: You, yeah, you said yeah, Indigenous
0: spa- people spotlight. Our Black History Month spotlight. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, I like that. I like well, that.
1: What's kind of cool is we weren't even originally planning to review Malcolm X, right? And then I think you just happened to watch it because of one night in Miami, and you were like, "Holy fuck, man! You gotta watch this!" and uh, and I did, and uh, I'm glad we we're reviewing it because it's a it's a really powerful film.
0: Yeah. So if you do want to peek behind the curtains, listeners, we were originally going to review Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Uh, which we will at some point yeah, probably definitely. not this probably not this month but um it uh it it is that movie is always relevant unfortunately yeah you know but but while we were reviewing one night in Miami uh, I decided to you know we we ended up having to take a break in between which might have been obvious to you if you listen <laughs> closely but if you know maybe not and during that break I watched uh, Spike Lee's Malcolm X and I was like holy shit like you know, and then you were like, should we review it? And I'm like, yeah, like, I know we already made the schedule for this month, but we kind of should definitely review to. this movie. Yeah. So, en- enough enough with teasing you guys, okay? Enough with teasing you guys, gals, non binary, two spirit, everything in between, everyone in between, all you people, all you lovely listeners out there. Um, we're going to put out that spoiler warning. Oh, Yes, yes, there it is, like the sirens of our white oppressors. Uh, the spoiler warning is coming in <laughs> and uh, letting you know that if you have not uh, seen the movie Malcolm X, watch it before you listen to this podcast. Um, also, if you happen to know about his life anyway, maybe you've read the book and autobiography of Malcolm X, which is what the movie is based on, then um, or adapted from, I should say, as well, uh, yeah. then you might be able to listen to this, you know spoilers he dies you know yeah yeah if you don't don't know know
1: that then you really need to start yeah but what's really
0: really important is not the man's death but his life and that is the plot of this film ty when you're ready please give us the plot
1: malcolm x biographical epic of the controversial and influential black nationalist leader from his early life and career as a small-time gangster to his ministry as a member of the nation of islam
0: So, like you said, the first hour and 20 minutes of this film, which for some films is the film, that's feature length or or close to it, right? Yep, yep. Um, You know, that deals with his life before even going to prison and and, and, uh, joining the Nation of Islam. And uh, and that part, I'll admit, was a little bit rough for me to get through because I didn't right, I didn't show right. up to see to see Denzel. I showed up to see Malcolm. <laughs>
1: right. It's very right? Denzel the first hour and a half for sure. Uh, I I will say to educate. I didn't know that Malcolm was a gangster. I had no idea that you know he had a a past um, that was so wrapped in you know uh, violence and and drug use and things like that. That was that was kind of surprising to me. Um, But, you know, it definitely shows kind of, you know, where he came from and and it goes over some really interesting stuff about his childhood and his family. Right.
0: Yeah. The uh, you know, before he was even born, we had the KKK giving his family trouble. Uh, We saw that he followed in similar footsteps to his father, who was also a minister, except he was a minister of Christianity and Malcolm became a minister of Islam. Right. You know, we also see that that I related to this a lot more than I should have, I feel. But. You know me. I find myself in everything. <laughs> um you know we see that his mom also was very light-skinned because her right. mother was uh was was raped by a white man. And yeah. so she intentionally married darker so that way her kids would have some color and she hated herself, right? She hated the way she yeah. looked, she hated her fair complexion. Yeah, also uh very relatable. And uh, <laughs> and we see that Malcolm not only did he get uh get You know, color in his skin, but he also got color in his hair for the first part of his life. His nickname Mm -hmm. was red because he kind of he had like auburn hair, which uh, was also a surprise to me because most of the photos we see of him are in black and white. And also most of the interviews and, and speeches we see him in are in black and white as well. Speaking of those speeches and interviews, I will be referencing them at multiple points. Nice. In the show notes and sources at politipoppodcast.wordpress.com, I will be uh, adding an hour long, actually it's over an hour long mix of lo-fi music to the, <laughs> behind all of Malcolm X's uh, speeches and interviews, or at least, or at least his most popular ones. Oh, we just
1: uh, lost three of our five listeners, man. You had to bring lo-fi yes, into this? Three,
0: three of our, three of our five, God, that's three fifths. <laughs> Which is what the white man said black people oh were. Oh no, my uh, god. But uh what a coincidence. It all comes together. But uh but yeah, we have some people who don't like uh Lo Fi. I love Lo Fi for those of you who, who don't know that at this point. But uh <laughs> but yeah, I, I managed Lo Fi made it digestible to me, I guess. I was able to listen to all of Malcolm's speeches and interviews and become completely radicalized. So so we're gonna be able there to go back and forth between that and the and the movie. Um nice. the now, one thing I want to note, just from a film perspective here, because you know Spike Lee is, you know, he he cut his teeth in the independent film scene. He, I, I would consider him more of of an artist, you know, than just a filmmaker. And the two are synonymous in many right. cases, right. obviously. Uh, but but he, he had a very specific vision. And I think at first it kind of threw me off. And then I loved it because during that first hour, 20 minutes, we see the, um Malcolm calls this the Harlemite uh, chapter of his autobiography. That I know from an episode of Jeopardy that I watched recently. Hey, nice. Um, but uh, but yeah, in this in this uh, segment, we see that he's he's going around in zoot suits with uh, with his man Shorty, played by Spike Lee, and he's <laughs> also uh you know he's he's trying to be as white as possible. He's trying to to make it in this white man's world they're putting um they're putting chemicals in their hair uh and they call it frying their hair i think right okay Uh, so you know yeah shorty and malcolm both do it called frying their hair and just so you know like they use lye in their hair in order to in order to straighten it out and make it 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 burns It it burns them yeah you know which yeah lye literally does burn and they were putting that in their hair um and we do see that today too that there there is a whole um It's an unfortunate trend of whitening. Uh, I believe Sammy Sosa is one of the more notable people who who is who has taken to this. But people of color who will bleach their skin um, or or use various methods to whiten their skin. Right. And this this is something that I related to very personally because I mentioned it before, so I won't talk too much about it. But my father is a Latino man from Hispaniola, which was later renamed the Dominican Republic after being colonized. And he, when I was raised by him, he was always putting hair gel in his hair. He was always making his hair look like a quad like Elvis or something like he always and he specifically he made it a point to never speak with an accent like he was um he was trying to be as white as possible even though you could tell he wasn't and he raised me as a white man I didn't know anything about my heritage growing up except for that my cousins and aunts spoke Spanish whenever we saw them that was it and and I too would do that I mean you've seen me throughout the years you know you've seen my hair is definitely um, curly, it is thick, it is coarse, but I would cut it whenever it got too long. I made it a point I would always put hair gel in there to try and control it, just like my father did. I would I would shave it down to my scalp and then let it regrow again. Like I thought that like that's the only way that I could be handsome was when I had my quote unquote white hair. Oh, um man. Yeah. However, now you you've seen uh, after a couple years of going to a barber who actually knows how to cut curly hair. Uh, which once again, representation matters. otherwise, I would just get shitty haircuts for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, i've really I've really loved uh, i've I really love my curls now. i've I've grown to love them. I've grown to embrace them. And no matter how long and ridiculous and coarse and thick they get, like that's even better. The longer the better, right. the more curly, the better. Um and i'll I'll find it and throw it into the show notes also. there was a link. Uh, there was a video I watched a little while ago talking about what um hair means to the black community. And how important it is, and how uh, you know some tribes would determine manhood by hair. That would your, the taller your hair was, the closer you were to God. They considered because they considered your hair to be like the clouds. Like there was so much um, symbolism. And then once once uh, Africans were became part of the transatlantic slave trade and came to the United States, came to North America, their identity was stripped of them as their heads were shaved completely. Oh man! So. So this, so, so this, this is a, a very big deal, and I'll go back to the film perspective as well, and then we can move on, that just, you know, we see that in the first part of this film, while he's trying to be white, while he's trying to live in the white man's world, he, the, there seems to be like a glow over everything. Did you notice that, or was it just me? Maybe what do you I mean? Put it, like, a, like, a- that, like a filter. Like, uh, you know, I think if you look at the first part of the film and then the last part of the film, which if you watch it all in one sitting, it's difficult. But I went back and watched the beginning again recently. Like there is it seems at least to me like there's like kind of a, a notable glow to everything, like an aura, like it's a little blurry. At you know, and to me, that now means you that- mention
1: it. Yeah, I think I did
0: notice that uh, a little bit. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Yeah, especially knowing uh, Lee and and the way that that he that he shoots his films, you know, to me that was all about like how he was constantly uh, like he even he couldn't see through the the veil of the of the white man's world, the lie that oh you know you just keep working and blah 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 and right. and you're fine and um and also when they. They went into his childhood. They did note that Malcolm, he did have opportunities in which he got to go to white schools and he got amazing grades. But even then, he was still told that he would be best in a, in a service role. Yeah, he wanted to be a lawyer,
1: right? And told him that that wasn't a job that was suited for him. He couldn't do that.
0: Yeah, and uh, when when people do talk about like representation today and they're like, oh, why does it matter? Why does it matter that we see a black person in this role? Why does it matter that we see a black person as a... I don't want to fucking say politician, um, <laughs> 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 because that's not too far off from another p word I like to call a uh, puppet. Um, but uh, you know, just um, just just seeing black people succeed and do great at that, you know, if if there had been more people at the time doing that, I think that it might have changed Malcolm's childhood, a, right, a, a right. little bit. Um, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, Malcolm is, has a
1: real, and he has a really difficult childhood. You know, his family is incredibly poor. You know, his his father is murdered it's ruled a suicide, right? So insurance won't pay out to the family. And, yep. you know, he has what, eight siblings, I think. And, you know, his mom is trying to take care of them. And she really can't. She just, she you know, he says that they, they really can't afford food or anything. And that's why eventually the kids are taken away, you know, and he, he it's even mentioned that he might be stealing as a kid. You know, he's already kind of on, I guess, the wrong path, one might say. And, you know, it kind of leads him down down the road of becoming a, a gangster, you know, in his early years.
0: And the last thing I want to talk about regarding this uh this first segment is uh is also the the wardrobe because Oh yeah. Because yeah, those that was a very powerful choice. And the first time I saw it, I didn't get it. I was like were they children and that's why the clothes are overgrown on them? Is that why the chains are down to their ankles, like on their chain watch- or their pocket watch? I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And and now looking at it again, for to me at least, it said they're trying to fit in where they can't or where they don't belong. Ah, that's a good observation. I and, I like that, that. and that to them, welcome to film film school with Booch and, <laughs> um, and welcome to Film Fridays, Film School Fridays. That's actually a, a podcast. I don't want to take their their name but uh but yeah like we see that these are grown men and to us they look silly to them they look badass yeah and i imagine that we're seeing them the way the rest of the world of white america sees them yeah
1: i i think that's very very valid you know but even even some other black people see them that way right like when when he first uh meets west indy archer right uh one of his like his men is like oh that suit it's like it's so bright it's hurting my eyes Right. Like yes, he, yes. He, even, he even comments on on how how horrible he thinks it is. So, you know, I, I think, uh again, he's trying to fit in where he doesn't belong and he's getting called on, on it by by even other black people.
0: Now, did you notice that when they were in that uh, that dance club and um, I forgot her name, but the, the white woman. Sophia so, I Sophia, think it was. yeah yeah Sophia uh comes up. I was kind of blown away by how comfortable she was like just showing up to that I venue. she was the only white person there right and the she's the only white person <laughs> and um and what did that did that say anything to you did you have a take on it not really uh I, I mean I don't
1: I'm curious if that's actually what happened but uh <laughs> yeah that's you know a good point. I, I don't know it's interesting because it leads to a a very long relationship right like he's he starts sleeping with her for for a while before i guess they officially become an item for for
0: years and i think that at one point he might have been pimping her out as well because Uh, he does ask her for money he calls her a bitch shortly after he does that right and they don't really go into it in the movie which is an interesting choice you know maybe maybe it made it onto the cutting room floor for time you know because they did show a lot of his other um what i consider to be like not ideal moments so why not throw that in there as well it only it only serves the purpose of showing how far he how far he came he was a he was a pimp and you know and then he became a leader um i mean pimps technically i guess they are leaders in their own way but (laughs) (laughs) yeah come (laughs) on man it's a job i know it, it it is um but uh but yeah so we have um we also have this this interview that Malcolm did, uh, IRL, not in the movie, where he talks about how they do have white people that frequent uh, Muslim businesses. Hmm. And he says, he says, if a white person comes into one of our businesses, they are taken care of. They are treating with more respect and dignity than if they go into a white owned business. And to to, to hmm. me that, you know, that's. That brought me back to the idea of Sophia going into the club and how she is totally comfortable being in this all-black venue. And then it hit me that she has power there. Mm, okay. You know, she that that if anything happens, all she has to do is cry to the police and they will come and shut that place down. Like, she is safe by her whiteness, whether or not she knows it. And, you know, Malcolm even calls her out later on when she's uh, serving him breakfast in bed that, you know, he says, you you'd cry rape. You know, if, if the time came that you didn't like me or or something like yeah, that, he yeah. says you would cry rape. And she's like, I would never do that, blah, blah, blah. But, like, no matter what, like, she may appear, like, frail and 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 weak, but he's the one who has the power. Yeah. I mean, yep. she's the one who has the power. She has the one who has the power, Excuse not me. him. Yeah. Yes.
1: I mean, I think also, you know, you can really get into it and say, you know, why people have obviously... Uh, exerted power over black people for you know 400 years, right? You know we uh, we we did take Plus, them yeah. from their home and and uh, you know made them slaves here and and took away their inalienable rights as at one point as Malcolm says. But you know I think black people have never been in that position. So you know her coming into a, a black you know. Business or, or whatever you want to refer to the stance hall as, you know, I, I think that maybe that's not even something that, that crosses their mind, right? To to mistreat her like that, because they never, it's not something that that they've been doing, right? Whereas, you know, if a if a black person walked into a, a white-owned business at that time, you would have a totally different reaction, right? Everyone would be oh yeah uh, appalled to see to see them come into there. So it's, it you know, it's just a totally different relationship, uh, you know, and how how they treat each other and, and even in their own places of business and, and fun.
0: And while this might have been put in just for the art of it or to cut time and be like, all right, he met Sophia. Um, I think that this is something that we still see prevalent today. Do I say? Yeah, prevalent. Sometimes I use the word applicable when it's really shouldn't be used. Uh, we see that this is prevalent today because white people, for the most part, do feel comfortable exerting themselves into, or inserting themselves, excuse me, into black spaces. Yes. You know, we see, oh, hip-hop, that's fucking awesome, let's take that. Or even before that, rock and roll, that's awesome, let's take that, let's take jet. Like, every yeah. every cool thing that black people have come up with you know it it always seems to be uh you know it always seems to be like oh black uh, white people can be like oh my god yes queen yes sis girl boss like you know yes yeah. you know let's appropriate the fuck out of it and um and feel more than comfortable doing so sophia's is definitely a great example of that
1: i also you know you you did bring up that they don't always put malcolm in a uh in a good light and i thought that was an interesting choice too and i I respect Spike Lee for doing that, you know. Um, obviously, this, like you said, this is based on you know Malcolm's autobiography. But again, you know, he's, in I think, in especially in black culture, he's kind of considered you know a heroic figure, and and, and in a lot of ways he is. But he he wasn't always perfect, right? He he made a lot of mistakes, and he didn't always do the right thing. And you know, he, he was in a lot of ways unlikable for the first uh, third of this movie, I'd say. You know, in some of his his actions and you know some of the things he did, it was it was really hard to get behind him uh, until he really went to prison and, and joined the Nation of Islam. It was you know he wasn't always the most likable character.
0: Yeah, and uh, there's a moment after he joins that um that I'm also not not a a huge a huge fan of. I think um, I know what you're we'll, talking
1: about, but we'll you get do there. know
0: what I'm talking about. But we'll, we'll get to it. I know you know. Uh, but uh but yeah so so we do see that his entire story he he's gotten the best grades which shows he has great potential he's he's a you know he's a hustler he um both in being a pimp and also in in hustling to to get ahead he's an opportunist who takes advantage of you know whatever opportunities come his way uh we see him you know working his ass off in the train now speaking of the train Um, We see that they're listening to a fight of uh, Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis was a very famous black boxer and not that fight specifically, but there was a fight in which he not only represented black Americans, but he represented the democracy of the United States. He was going up against Mark Schmeling. Sorry, let me make sure I got it correctly. About to get canceled, bro imagine well it's it's kind of a it would be mispronouncing a nazi germany representative's name so yeah we live in america he'd be canceled (laughs) that's true you got you give him respect that's that's history (laughs) Schilling. i'm sorry so it was joe uh joe joe lewis versus max Schilling, and um the first fight joe lewis actually lost because Uh according to an episode of drunk history he was uh (laughs) i went down a drunk history uh uh rabbit hole while i was looking at muhammad ali i've always been
1: curious but i've never watched it
0: it's uh it's it's very fun and it's easily digestible and you know obviously they you know they make it a point to get the important parts accurate and right uh, right it's it's also hilarious but um but yeah so uh so the first time joe lewis was knocked out the second time uh hitler was so cocky that his guy was going to win again that he started uh he he made it legal for all the bars to stay open after after curfew time he um he He put it out on the radio, so like all of Germany could hear, and Joe Lewis had been training like a motherfucker, so he came back this time and beat the shit out of this <laughs> this uh this max Schilling guy it was max Schilling that was it um beat the shit out of him, and um hell yeah, yeah, and basically at that point, Hitler was like once he saw like once he heard what was happening, he was like cut the cut the cut the feed, cut the feed, everyone go home like they cut the radio so nobody would know that <laughs> that their own box are lost damn. and everything. You know, meanwhile, we see in this movie that it was a uh, um, that, well, not that fight specifically, but that Joe Lewis. you know, they were losing their mind in Harlem when he won. Like he was, yeah. you know, he was, you know, the hero uh, of, of the black people, you know, he, you know, was in, in a line of of your Muhammad Ali's and your Jack Johnson's. Right. And, um, Again, He's he's breaking
1: barriers and, and proving, yeah. you know, black people can hang, you know, with the best of, of white folks. Right. And I think that was uh, probably a huge accomplishment for them to, to be able to show that
0: and see that. Another famous boxer, The Hurricane, famous black boxer, who Denzel played in another movie Hey, called Hurricane. That was the one that Bob Dylan made a song about.
1: It's all connected,
0: man. Bob Dylan made a song about The Hurricane, (laughs) and then Denzel was in that. Denzel was in that movie, and then he would play Malcolm X. It was in One Night in Miami, in which he would play a song by Bob Dylan for Sam Cooke. Oh my God! It all what comes do you together.
1: Know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so here we see right that Malcolm and Shorty also get a worse prison sentence under white girlfriends, and uh, you know, I, 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 I and it's not surprising, but. It's just, you know, it's unbelievable. They get, what, eight years, and I think the women get, like, a few months or probation or something like that. Yeah, so uh, uh,
0: as a first offender, I think he said, you you're supposed to get like uh like two years or something like that and he's like so that's what that's what the women got for burglary he's like but our our uh, crime wasn't burglary it was sleeping with white women right and we see in the courtroom the women are able to be uh fully made up and dressed and they are able to stand next to each other they hold hands and then right on the other side we see Malcolm and Shorty they were they're in a state of uh undress uh you know basically however they found them in the apartment Malcolm probably still has that that you know that fry concoction in his hair um (laughs) And, uh, you know, they're dressed just as they were when they were arrested and they're handcuffed together as well. Yeah. And they get eight to ten years. I think they get, was it, it was over seven counts of eight to ten. uh, Yeah, but it was concurrently, right? Yeah, so so they did, yeah, so they got to serve them all at once, but still. Thank God.
1: (laughs) That would have been crazy. Malcolm gets to prison and almost immediately gets put into solitary confinement. You know, and still happens today. Yep. And and I think I think we've discussed in the podcast just how damaging solitary confinement is to, pe- to a person. And, you know, uh, you're basically robbing them of their senses, you know, and it, it can it can actually, you know, drive people insane, uh, you know, cause cause so many, so many issues to a person's psyche and, and physical being. Um, and this is, you know, Malcolm experiences this almost immediately. And I think it it really begins to change him, right? It's, it kind of leads him to the to where he's going to get changed and eventually join the the nation.
0: Yeah, but he doesn't just take anything either, because while yeah. he is in solitary, there is a priest who who comes to him, yep. brings him a cigarette, wants to tell him about Jesus Christ, and he's like he's like you know where's Jesus now? Like you know where's yeah. God now? Blah blah blah. So, you know, so so he scoffs and pushes the man away. Yeah, he rejects uh, him. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't physically, but yeah, he he rejects him and. Another thing about solitary confinement, it was great you mentioned it because uh, if you haven't heard of it yet, look up Khalif Browder. I'll throw it in the show notes. if uh, <laughs> But uh, but Kalief Browder was arrested for allegedly stealing a backpack and he was kept in Rikers Island. He was kept on Rikers Island for three years. They ended up letting him go. And he had no trial, by the way. That's yep. just where he was. And because he didn't have enough money to make it out, which is a very real problem still today uh, in the United States. So uh, keep that in mind, that there are people who are serving time just for not having enough money to, to provide bail. Um, but uh, Khalif Browder, unfortunately, ended up taking his own life shortly after getting out of Rikers. Long story yeah. short, is that he had been abused and put in solita- solitary confinement while in while in prison, and um, he he just... Even after he was free. Yeah, his he life was ruined
1: permanently. It. You know, he couldn't yeah. he couldn't deal with it anymore and you know, they ruined a young man's life.
0: Yeah, so another thing about Malcolm's character, and I'm I just say that because we're discussing this movie. Not him you know, we are discussing him, but this movie through the lens of this film, is that he does seem to be a like I said, an opportunist. He seems to have a lot of natural potential, and he seems to be a good follower. And I and I wanna I wanna emphasize that because good you know they say good leaders are made from good followers um mm-hmm. I'll, I'll attest to it and say that that i agree for you know for the most part depending on who the leader is <laughs> um you know malcolm here he goes from serving one criminal uh or you know a cr- crime lord to serving another crime lord
1: um, yeah i i noticed that too you know he seems to uh you know kind of latch on to somebody that he thinks he i think he can learn from and uh you know like you said kind of come out on top a little bit right you know he he is an opportunist opportunist and he's you know he's very intelligent and he you know he finds people who have have some power and have something to give and you know like you said he does he does follow them and and quickly develops into a leader pretty much
0: uh you know every time we see this happen and at this point i want to say why i stress the the edict and honestly it this and the theme song are probably the only things that have that have stayed since I began the podcast five years ago and then left a couple months after and started (laughs) up again with you. Um, But I always say at the end, never stop thinking, never stop learning and read between the lines. And I think Malcolm epitomizes this both in this film and in real life because he's given something great if you've ever studied islam you know that it is a a religion that does teach peace and brotherhood regardless of what the united states uh media would have you think right um you know obviously there are those who take that message and they corrupt it for their own well-being whether it be um you know islamic extremists or whether it be elijah muhammad in this movie yeah but and, they are the you know, minority, or they are the overall. Minority.
1: You know, they're, they're, that's yes. not what the vast majority of of believers would, would 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 feel or do. You know, they they don't. They're not. The majority are not extremists.
0: Yes, and so Malcolm is given a really strong base of um, educate yourself, learn to take pride in being a black man, uh, and learn to take pride in brotherhood, and 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 preach that and everything. And luckily, despite Elijah Muhammad not adhering to the ideals which he preached necessarily malcolm was able in his own life to hold on to those ideals and let go of the man who who indoctrinated them or who taught them and i think that that is that that is just that's growth it's very important for all of us to be able yeah. to do that to be able to go like you know oh well you know i did like this aspect of this set of teachings but not this so i'm going to take that part you know yep. and 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 that's why when you know when um that fucking person, Matt, uh, was, was saying, like, oh, this is why I'm disillusioned with Marxism as a whole, blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. And I said, we're not Marxists. We right. believe that the working class should have rights, that they should be able to get by based on, you know, that they should be able to live comfortably and, I would say, even prosper yeah. uh, based, based on their work. And that I mean, did Marx be- have
1: some good ideas? Absolutely. You know, but I think, again, you've said this so many times. It's about ideas, not people. Right. And so. Yep take take those ideas you can take an idea from him and him and her and them and you know just a little bit everywhere and kind of build a you know a foundation from that but you know you don't you don't have to adhere to to one person you know like we talked about it with the bernie sanders movement you know and i still respect bernie a lot but you you can't put everything into him you know what i mean You, you take some of the ideas right that he pushed for the movement and 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 some of the things he did but you know you, you can't just bank it all on on one one person to be you know the the savior for us all you have to take those ideas and kind of work with them and push them and i think uh yeah Malcolm did that and it's it's incredibly hard to do especially when you're when you're so deeply rooted inside of something like that you know it was it became such a large part of his life and you know he became so uh so close with with elijah muhammad and i think it was Probably one of the most probably the most difficult thing he did was to break off from him, you
0: know, eventually. Yeah. I mean, in the end, it got him killed.
1: Yeah. And
0: uh, yeah. And, And we do really get to see Malcolm shine here. And I think the problem is that everybody else sees how much he shines. And I'm not sure if this was said in real life. Uh, when that when the police chief uh, and we'll probably go into that scene specifically, I, I alluded to it last episode, but uh, that when that police chief says that's too much power for one man to have, like it wasn't Elijah Muhammad who was gathering all the Nation of Islam people in New York City yeah. to go and and get their brother released and get him some medical care, which, by the way, he was put back in uh, in jail after that uh, until uh, I believe the Nation of Islam paid his paid his bail. I'm not sure if it was before or after he was in the hospital, but like. You know, it was it was Malcolm. It was Malcolm who was out there on the streets seeing this and experiencing this stuff firsthand. We see that he became such a great leader, and whereas Elijah Muhammad felt threatened by it. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he felt threatened because it was easy to follow him. Everybody else really fell in love with him, and it's easy to. The and in seeing all of his interviews, the worst I, I don't know exactly how to word this. Uh the worst thing he can do is keep referencing Elijah Muhammad. And yeah. while Elijah once again he did pave the way for Malcolm to to find his 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 brand of black activism you can't take him seriously. When an interviewer is asking him questions about the problems facing the black community and he continually says the honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us, the honorable Elijah Muhammad says this, the honorable Elijah Muhammad believes in this. Like you know, because it, it sounds like a cult, right? It, it so, is, it becomes, and that's it what becomes it, a cult. It was a fucking cult. <laughs> like yeah. that's the whole problem. You know, and we have, you know, we have uh, some mosques today that you, that were opened by the Nation of Islam that make it a point to to say we're not we're no longer associated with NOI. We are our own mosque. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean,
1: I think that makes sense because it it I think it almost becomes a point where Elijah Muhammad was being revered as almost like like a god, right? You know, and it kind of takes away from that message of you know of Allah and and you know brotherhood when you're when you're putting this person up on a pedestal and and worshiping him and and letting him kind of get away with whatever he wants. So uh, yeah, you know, it's it's very very cult like. It's you know, and and I think uh, that definitely detracts from from Malcolm's messages when he when he brings him up. And you know, he's he's a far stronger uh, you know leader and and speaker when he doesn't when he doesn't reference him
0: and i think it hurt his cause a little bit after he uh after he left the nation of islam and the reason being is because and this is the media's fault i'm going to say that it is um the quote-unquote news outlet's fault it's the talk show's fault because and you'll see that they do this today too right it doesn't, you know, when Black Lives Matter has a protest, it doesn't become about, oh, well, why are they protesting? Who was fucking killed this time and the cop wasn't wasn't given any sort of, of, of legal ramifications for it? Who this yep. time? That's what the cause is. But they say, what about this person who threw a Molotov cocktail into the Starbucks? What about <laughs> that? Do you condone that? Blah, blah, blah. And, and they control the narrative and distract. That's yeah. what the they'll, media they'll focus
1: does. on that one little incident instead of you know like you said the root cause and and the movement as a whole you know you could you could have seven you know I don't know seventy protests and sixty eight of them are all peaceful and and they're gonna focus on those two that had like you said had somebody throw a Molotov cocktail or broke a window right like that's 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 what they're gonna they're gonna focus on to take away the message
0: yeah and which you know you and I were um Discussing, debating—I don't know what it was—but we had a good dialogue. <laughs> I think recently off mic, you know, where you know, you said you're like, destroying property isn't violence. Yeah. You know, like even then, out of those seventy protests, if if those last two, um, you know, property gets destroyed, whatever. You told me you said breaking a bottle is not the same as breaking a bottle over someone's head. So. Yeah, I mean, you
1: know, like—is I- I- it destructive? Sure. Could you argue it's a crime? Yeah. It's not the same though. It's not the same. You know as. As actually physically hurting someone, and I, I think it's it's time that the media stops calling it that, you know, and stops referring to it as as an equal equal crime, right? There's a there's a reason we have different levels of uh, of murder, right? We have manslaughter, yep. we have murder in the first degree, the second degree, so negligent
0: homicide, yeah,
1: you know. So if we can if we can differentiate between murder, then I think we differentiate between you know breaking a window and actually injuring somebody.
0: And this is a big problem when Malcolm X leaves the NOI and and starts going out for himself because they're constantly asking him about his time with NOI. And he's having to denounce a lot of he's having to denounce Elijah Muhammad. But I think that to the to the masses who are watching this or listening to this, they think he's denouncing all of his militancy, all of his all of his extremism, not knowing that his by any means necessary speech was given after he came back from Mecca. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, so so that's like that's the thing. And I think they want to water him down and be like, oh, well, toward the end of his life, he wasn't as militant toward the end of his life. He wasn't as militant. And that that might be why we still get to learn about him. Unfortunately, that's that probably is the is why, because, you know, I, I
1: mean, so my girlfriend says she learned about uh, Fred Hampton, and the Black Panthers in school. But I don't really remember learning much about them. You know,
0: we didn't. Well, I didn't. I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah,
1: I, I really don't remember learning about him in school. I I learned about him, you know, briefly on my own later. But again, you know, Malcolm X. You know, I think I think you're right. You hit the nail on the head. That's why we learn about him because they want to say he's he's more peaceful, right? He he became more like Martin Luther King because white people love to use Martin Luther King as an example, right? You know, he he didn't believe more than in violence. Anything anything in he just you wanted to do peaceful protests. You know, they they want to use that to kind of. Uh, you know, put, lull, dull everyone a little bit and make us, make us not so, uh, you know, willing to do whatever, whatever, by whatever means necessary, right? So it's, I think that's, that's pretty accurate.
0: Yeah. I mean, Joe Armstrong was kind of debating this with me. Um, A little while ago. It was probably around election time when I had him on the podcast. And and he said like he said quote unquote like peaceful protest is the only way because you know, once people see on the news who the aggressors are and who the victims are, they'll surely change their minds. But we know for a fact that's just not fucking true. No, it's not. It wasn't until Martin Luther King
1: died, right? And and people started rioting, you know, not protesting, but rioting, you know, destroying property, taking to the streets and demanding something that they finally got some concessions. You know, that's the only way you get anything.
0: And that's because the the oppressors are the ones who get to define what violence is. You and I were also discussing yep. that. What is violence? Is violence, uh, it's against another person, right? Yep. It's not, it can't be against A wall. You can't you can't you can't violently kill a wall or. No, you can't. But and another thing they bring up in a lot of in a lot of uh, interviews with with Malcolm is they talk about hate and they talk about violence. And and he says like he says like, well, who taught you how to hate? And that's a different speech. You know, who taught you how to hate in the first place? None of this would happen if if they weren't oppressed in the first place. Is my point. Yeah, Th- this yeah. is completely reactionary. Every civil rights movement, every protest, every riot has been reactionary. You know, if you don't you don't get to punch me in my fucking face, and then when I retaliate, tell me I'm being violent, I'm being hateful. You don't get to do that. So so just. Sorry, I got carried away. So just keep that in mind when you guys are when you guys are um, you know are 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 seeing this stuff unfold because 2021 is going to have black people and and people of color getting killed by police and 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 police seeing no sort of recompense for it. Um, it's going to happen. So be ready when those when those protests happen and everything. You don't want to be the person who sees a man get executed on television and puts a fucking blue stripe flag on your truck and says, "Yeah."
1: yeah 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 i mean you're basically saying we support that we believe in that murder right We're, we're we're good with that but yeah i mean nothing's changed since last year almost nothing has changed since malcolm x was uh was alive i mean it's it's just gonna it's gonna continue you're right uh there's there's a couple quotes i had from when he was in prison um well actually not even from him that it was about him though um from Baines, right. The man who kind of recruits him to the nation of Islam and, and starts teaching him, you know, to stop drinking and smoking and, and taking the white man as poison, as he says. And there was a couple, couple of moments that I really liked. There was uh one where someone mentions that Jackie Robinson was called up, you know, to the major Love league. It. Right. And yes. uh, Baines yes. says, white man throws us a bone and we're supposed to forget 400 years of oppression. And it's a re- mm. it's a really good point. You know, it's like, you want to celebrate it? Absolutely. Jackie Robinson, one of the greatest baseball players of all time. You know, he broke the barrier again right, in the MLB and, and, uh, and really you know, showed that you know, a black person could play in a white league. But at the same time, you know, we shouldn't look at it like, oh, thank you, white saviors, for letting Jackie Robinson play. You know what I mean? Like Jackie Robinson earned that himself. And, and you, know, you, you can't just forgive them for, for giving you that one little thing.
0: I mean, same thing happened uh, with, you know, Kamala Harris, Barack Obama. Yeah. We did it. Yeah. We've overcome. You know, because white people have chosen to put a black person in, in some some office. Yep. Like, get, you know, come on. You gotta, you, you have to look past this stuff. You have to know that this black person that's being elected to, to a leadership role is not going to care about the black people who helped get her there. Yes. You know, or in Obama's case, the black people who helped get him there. You know, he... You know, B- Barack Obama came out of Chicago. Chicago police were who fucking murdered Fred Hampton, which, by the way, we'll learn a lot more about uh, next week. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, he. Chicago police, like who were who were set up, the, they set up the assassination of Fred Hampton along with, the, you know, along with the FBI. And, you know, when we when we cover Judas and the Black Messiah, we'll go into this a lot more. You know, but just because we spoke about it a little bit before about what makes Malcolm remembered and Fred Hampton not remembered a twenty one year old kid shot next to his pregnant um fiance or wife. I'll get the specifics down next week, I promise. Um, but they don't want to talk about that because he was he was quoting Mao, Marx, he- Lenin. OK, he was a fucking socialist, communist dude who was. But the most important part was he was enacting those things and it was working. He was uniting. That's people. why he, he had was to uniting. Stopped. people yes. And he
1: was so intelligent and so charismatic that he probably could have changed the entire system if he had been left alive. You know, and that's that was that's it. that was dangerous. a threat. That was a threat to the establishment. They could not allow someone like that to live. You know, I mean, think about that. He was he was so at 21 years old. He was so influential. They had to kill him.
0: And they almost got Malcolm too. You know, when he went to Mecca, he said that there were white men following him. Yeah. And one night in Miami, we talk about how they're, you know, the G men are following him as well. So it was close, but I think after his public interviews where he was like, I think we should probably work with white <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, then. Um, they were like, all right, call it off. <laughs> I could have sworn one of the interviews, there was a red dot right on his head. And then as soon as he said, work with white people. I don't know. Like, I would oh. almost argue that, uh, that
1: that would put more of a target on him
0: for uniting classes right yeah. you got a point there you know what i mean because I mean, like, that, that's what hampton did yeah you're i don't right. know
1: if we ever know this but i mean i wouldn't be surprised if the nation of islam was helped along a little bit you know uh
0: i mean it, it's very possible well there is there is that docu-series um i don't remember how many episodes i only watched uh some of the first one and then i was like you know what let me watch let me fucking watch the whole three hour movie three half hour <laughs> movie um but they do say who killed malcolm x that's the title of the docu-series right. like None of this is is cut and dry, and and as we see, you know, as we'll see next week with Judas and the Black Messiah, that they weren't alone in that assassination. They had a lot of help. Yeah, yeah. You know, there were a lot of a lot of you know pieces that had to come together yep. to to murder a twenty one year old kid. Yeah. Um.
1: So there was two other little moments I like from the prison as well. Uh, Baines asked Malcolm his name, right? He says Malcolm Little, and he says, "No, it's the name of your sl- of the slave masters that owned your family. You don't even know who you are." You're nothing. You're less than nothing. Who are you? And that, you know, that's kind of that, that moment where, where Malcolm has to kind of really reflect on, you know, his uh, his existence, right? And who he is and and come to that realization that he he isn't Malcolm Little anymore. You know, he's gonna become Malcolm X. And we did bring this up a little bit with Muhammad Ali, I think, in and last week in uh, one night in Miami, you know, he kinda goes through that same realization, and that's why he stops
0: going by Cassius Clay. I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to talk about names and also just um, verbiage because we talked about it after the coup happened. You know, words, words have consequences. Words have meaning. Words are important. Words are so important, as a matter of fact, that part of Malcolm's training to become a good soldier of Elijah Muhammad is to memorize every single word in the dictionary. And, and it's, it's, it's a wise thing to do because you want to be able to get your point across quickly, concisely, and intelligently. And see, I don't know English well enough. Two of those words might've meant the same thing, (laughs) but, um, but he says the reason he chose X is because in mathematics, X is a variable, you know, X is, uh, you know, X is the unknown and and he says, uh, he says a couple things. One of them is, um, you know, in, in an interview, it's hilarious. He he fucking frustrates the guy so much. He's like, so what is your last name before you change it to X? And he's like, my last name is a slave master's name that was taken. Blah blah. And he's like, okay, what about your father? He sure he went by his last name, right? He's like, yes, he did. He's like, what was that? He goes, my father's last name was given to him by his grandfather and it was given to him by a slave master they never knew their like he just wouldn't fucking let up he wouldn't let up and it's it's almost a little frustrating to listen to you know but that's because like i am i'm part of white america like i have been raised in it and it's constantly in my head um but also he, he uses the term so-called Negro all the time. Meanwhile, earlier when you were talking about the Jackie Robinson scene, he says, oh, I think it's great that a – and he says the N-word and he's like, I mean Negro. Was given, you know, was given a shot in the major leagues. And then later on throughout his entire life, he says so-called Negro. And and that's that's so powerful because, you know, they ask him, why do you say so-called Negro? He goes, because that was a name that was given to us. Yeah. He goes, you know, if you if an African person comes over from Africa, um, you won't call them a Negro. They'll actually take offense to being called a Negro. Negro is very specifically a slave. Right. Yeah. Name. Yeah. That's what you call people who descended from slaves. And he's like, so I say so-called Negro. And, you know, where I thought I was being a fucking dick because I try to not say America and I try to say United States as much as possible. And, you know, what? while it is a little bit extra to say. Fucking do it, guys! Like live your truth. You know, if other people are too ignorant to understand why you use the terms you use, whether it's a gender identity or a racial identity or whatever it is, then that's their fucking problem. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I'm gonna make it a conscious point. You heard me earlier. You know, the island of Hispaniola, which later became the Dominican Republic, or Dominican Republic originally Hispaniola. But point is, the Dominican Republic was a name given to that fucking island by the colonizers, yeah. Yeah. Dominican priests. Like call it you what know, it is. It's just, yeah it's it's Hispaniola and you know if it takes a little bit longer then fine learn teach yourself teach others well it's like you, it's know, you like, don't have to I go, mean, go by even that even just
1: name. on a simple simple way you'll you'll look a little smarter right <laughs> cuz i went to uh, i went to peru several years ago and if you say hey i'm from america they're going to look at you and be like yes yeah, so are we you know so so it was kind of like a, oh yeah i got to start calling the united states of america or the united states right estados unidos like they they're not going to they're not going nice, to know what i'm dear. talking about if i say i'm from america so uh, you know and that was kind of a wake up call for me at that point i was like oh you know like I, I you know america isn't just a country it's a continent and you know i have to remember that because all of these people that we want to you know keep out uh, you know with uh, you know of the border are also Americans, technically, so...
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> South America and North America are both America, you know, and and unfortunately, it, you know, it it's just, it's a rhetoric that we see in everything, you know, because there are official organizations and offices in the United States that are called the blank, blank, blank of America, yeah. right? Yep. Donald Trump's thing, make America great again, not make North America, not make the states, not make the United States, it was make America great again, which, you know, in his defense... He might have also meant the South America too, <laughs> as in keep them out, and then and that'll be great. Keep, Maybe that's what he meant. Great. I don't keep know. it all great. You know, I'm giving him way too much you credit. Are. But uh um, or sorry, the person who put together his campaign because he doesn't do any fucking work. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I just I also wanted to cover a little bit of the art, artistic choices. Uh, one more time later on when he's having his uh his moment with with Elijah Muhammad and uh, they're in the office together and, you know, Elijah's kind of he's basically putting Malcolm in his place. You know, we see that as Malcolm gains more popularity and more traction in the black activism movement that um, all the people around him start talking and saying that he wants to do his own thing, yes. that he's too powerful. Elijah Muhammad begins doing that as well. You know, he is, uh, you know, he he has too much pride. He has too much control in the nation of Islam to possibly be usurped. Not knowing that Malcolm is just a loyal fucking soldier. Yeah, he has, he has
1: no uh, ambitions to overthrow him. He's just, he's just really devoted to the
0: cause, you know? Yeah, like with... With Malcolm by his side, he probably could have accomplished so much more. Yeah. Like if both Malcolm and Muhammad Ali, because Muhammad Ali, uh, he he did an interview after Malcolm had passed in which, you know, now he is the mouthpiece of the Nation of Islam or he's a mouthpiece. Um, you know, he even says in the interview, he's like, I didn't, you know, I barely made it through high school. A bunch of teachers passed me so I could keep boxing. Um, you know, they... Uh, you know, I, um, I don't speak well, but it's because of Elijah Muhammad that I'm able to. And, but even then, like the way Muhammad Ali talks, like he just, he doesn't have what Malcolm had. And, uh, you know, like Malcolm, even before he memorized every grade in the dictionary, every, sorry, every word in the dictionary, he was still getting great grades. Um, excuse me. So I think that with, with somebody by his side, uh, Elijah Muhammad could have probably continued to do terrible things. But luckily, Malcolm, you know, was a good man. He talks to these to these secretaries uh, who that's that's like their role in the nation of Islam. I don't know if they're actually women who take phone calls and messages yeah, there. Yeah. I think secretary might have a different meaning in 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 that organization. But um, but he goes to them and sees firsthand that that Elijah has used his 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 power, his position of authority in order to uh, In order to sleep with these women that's what he's that's what he's doing and you know sure they they're not calling it rape but if you are a person who is going to use your power over somebody in order to sleep with them or or have any sexual relations with them then you know depending on the imbalance it it could be a little gray area um what i'm getting at is in this scene when they're when they're at elijah's uh desk we see that over Elijah, there's a silhouette of the blinds on the windows and that he's constantly shrouded in, you know, light, dark, light, dark, light, dark. Like, it's a little more gray now. Like, we don't know exactly who Elijah is. and But Muhammad uh, – sorry, I'm a fucking asshole. But Malcolm does because when we go to Malcolm, his eyes are covered in light. Mm. So he sees the truth. I like that. That's great. And – um. And honestly, I don't really ever. I don't notice shit like that. I notice more character shit. You know me, but I was like, "Well, goddamn! Okay, way to go, Spike Lee!" <laughs> like, like, Sp- there,
1: like there you, you go. said, Spike Lee's um, an artist. You know, he's he's a filmmaker. He's not just making movies. You know, he's he's tr- he's trying to convey a message in his films, and I think he he's he's known to be pretty successful at that.
0: Um, before we before we begin, uh closing out here. I think I skipped past that, that part I was talking you about. Did. I, I was going to bring that up. But yeah, he has this moment. Actually, you tell, he's talking to Angela Bassett, uh, who goes on to play, who plays Betty Shabbat.
1: Yeah. So they go out to, I guess, uh, get lunch or dinner. And um, she asks him to come speak to the women in, I guess, her class. Right. And he agrees to, but he says that he's harder on women, um, you know, and, and she kind of asks him why. And we see that Elijah Muhammad has taught Malcolm that, uh, women are deceitful. They have too much of the devil in them, you know. They they have to uh, be able to sew and cook, and they have to be a certain age to marry. Uh, you know, they they half your age plus, plus seven. seven. Yep. And and it's you know he, he has these specific rules, and he's saying some really terrible things about women in general, and and basically showing you know that men have to kind of control them to keep them from from being uh, you know. Evil or wrong, or you know, following the devil's footsteps, and you know, it's it's so uh, it's so difficult to watch this scene. I think because not only is Elijah Muhammad saying it, but then they they cut back to Malcolm, kind of mirroring these words, right? And and you know, it's it's a really problematic point of view.
0: And I think it's difficult for a lot of people or at least it was difficult for a lot of people to take Malcolm as seriously back then because it was always coming from Elijah Muhammad's mouth. Yeah. It was not coming from Malcolm Yeah, there's no
1: mouth. original thought there, you know, it's not that's not his yeah. original thought. It's it's Elijah Muhammad's.
0: And uh, and he also like some things they track like in some speeches he said like you know he said the black woman is you know the most victimized figure in history and I'm like okay you got a point you know up until trans black women came about but uh, but uh, but he says like he says you know they're the they're the first teachers of our men and I'm like okay like. I guess In you're no not way, wrong. No they could do whatever they want. But technically, yeah, the the parents teach you when you come to this world. They're the first teachers. and uh, and then he's, but he also says, like we have to protect them. Men haven't been protecting the black women enough. And that's why, and I'm like, God damn it. Like you were so close. it almost
1: seems like they they want to see that, you know, women are like property of men or their're their their only role is to really serve a man, right? To be able to cook and sew and give and have children. And, you know, that's such a. I mean, you know, outdated. Yeah, least, exactly. Right? It's it's wrong. First of all, it's it's problematic, and yes, it's it's outdated. It's such an old way of of looking at at things, and you know, it's like for someone who's so intelligent and so forward thinking to to see him say things like that, it's just so
0: sad. That is the most frustrating thing about about um all of Malcolm X's uh, public appearances and speeches is that. He really does hit the nail on the head. Like he even says, like I think he says in the movie, and he says it in real life, obviously, uh, that um, that you know, before you were a Christian, before you were a Jew, before you were even a Muslim, you were black. Yeah, and that's the that's the unity that is most important is the unity among uh, among black people, black men and women, and um, you know, but other times like there is just, and I I'm not gonna say this specifically of Islam, but I think of all religion is that it's difficult to to take your message of of unity and and peace as seriously when you're also like oh and because we're going to be met with kingdom come and the great afterlife and blah 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 or whatever it is it's like all right you kind of lost me there yeah. or when you say something so traditional that's just like what yeah, like you yeah. know what do you what do you mean and and i mean even in his post nation of islam uh interview uh appearance Malcolm says, you know, they say like, oh, are you uh, are you going to adhere to the traditional tenets of Islam, such as the separation of the sexes and blah, blah, blah. And Malcolm says, I think that everything is being modernized and that there's room for modernization in Islam as well as everything else. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, I think that's true. I mean, his
1: his pilgrimage to Mecca, I think, really, really opened his eyes. I mean, I have I have a quote here oh, yeah. um, I'd like to read. It's a little lengthy. I'll, I'll I'll try to get through it quickly. But, you know, he goes, hey, he writes a, a letter, you know, to, uh, to his wife. And he says, I've eaten from the same plate, drunk from the same glass, and prayed to the same God with fellow Muslims whose eyes were blue, whose hair was blonde, and whose skin was the whitest of white. We were all brothers, truly, people of all colors and races believing in one God. Each hour in this sacred land enables me to have a greater spiritual insight into what is happening in America. The American Negro can never be blamed for his racial animosities. He's only reacting to 400 years of oppression and discrimination, but as racism, racism leads America up the suicidal path, I do believe that the younger generation will see the handwriting on the wall, and many of them will want to turn to the spiritual path of the truth. The only way left in this world to ward off the disaster that racism must surely lead to. Once before in prison, the truth came and blinded me. Well, it's happened again. In the past, I made some sweeping indictments of all white people, and these generalizations have caused injury to some white folks who did not deserve them. Because of the spiritual rebirth which I was blessed to undergo as a result of my pilgrimage to the holy city of Mecca, I no longer subscribe to sweeping indictments of one race. I intend to be very careful not to sentence anyone who is not even proven guilty. I am not a racist and I do not subscribe to any of the tenets of racism. In all honesty and sincerity that I wish nothing but freedom and justice and equality, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for all people. Now, my first concern is, of course, is with the group to which I belong, for we, more than any others, are deprived of our inalienable rights. But I believe the true practice of Islam can remove the cancer of racism from the hearts and souls of all Americans. And if I can die, having brought any light, having exposed any meaningful truth that will help destroy this disease, then all the credit is due to Allah, the Lord of all the worlds, and only the mistakes have been mine. And I, I think uh, you know he he really s- saw things differently when he went there. You know, I think he realized that uh, racism doesn't need to exist. You know, it doesn't have to be an us versus them. And then if there's a way to to beat that, then we can truly be united. You know, and I think it was such a uh, an insightful and, and and spiritual journey for him um, that you know, it, it just really, it changed his perspective on a lot of things and it didn't make his fight any less important. And I think, you know, in many ways he was, he was even more inspired to fight for it. Um, you know, he just, I think he, he it was really, really, really great experience for him. Um, and, and, you know, it just, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it was once in a lifetime, like you said it, it, you know, he, he went there and he, he was able to just be united and feel like a a brotherly unity with all these different people.
0: And that's a really difficult thing to do, uh, to, to get yourself out of that pack mentality. I have been in it before. I told you off mic, uh, that, you know, martial arts when I, and I'll go into it more in another episode, maybe our berserk episode when we talk about, uh, idol worship, but, um, you know, martial arts uh, saved my life. I was definitely, you know, I was only 12 years old uh, already. Uh, you know, hanging out with, you know, with with kids who had, you know, been to juvie and stuff. And I just thought that I that I wanted to be a badass. And you know, I had a alcoholic. Uh, well, actually, I didn't have an. Al- my father's girlfriend at the time was an alcoholic, and turns out they were both into other shit too. Uh, so I never wanted to be home. And uh, and once I found martial arts, like I adhered to that so tightly for so much of my life and it has strained possibly ended some relationships definitely strained relationships it had uh you know and meanwhile i i was in amazing shape i became uh, incredibly resourceful as a martial artist i earned a second degree black belt and uh but but still like i was more obsessed with the, the my specific dojo and my specific instructor than i was with martial arts as a whole and yeah, so yeah I mean, to to you see... would have followed
1: Elijah Muhammad anywhere.
0: Yes, yeah, exactly. I had Sensei Elijah Muhammad um, in order to keep certain identities safe. But, you know, you have to, you, no matter what you believe in, uh, listeners, you have to make a decision as to how much of that is, is a part of you. I have the four kanji that are on my black belt tattooed on my arm. And after, you know, I've had falling outs with that dojo, now I have this thing on my arm permanently. I have to either A, get it removed – B, constantly see a reminder of something bad that happened. Or C, what does it mean to me? Hmm. What do these tenets of of morality mean to me? And, you know, and that and that's what Malcolm did, what Islam means to him. Because he was always, you know, like it 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 should have been about Allah from the beginning. Yeah. And not Elijah Muhammad. And um, there's this great moment where he's giving uh that one speech where um they have all the banners uh, posted all over the place, and in the back it says, um, you know, there's one God, his name is Allah, and Muhammad is his uh, his prophet. I'm paraphrasing. But there's this one shot, and I, I don't think it's possible this could have been done, because when Grant Morrison came up with Dark Side Is, it was in the later 90s, and uh, and Malcolm X came out in the early 90s. But there's a shot where Elijah Muhammad is sitting right under the banner that says Muhammad is the prophet, and it just says Muhammad is. Hmm. And that remind you know for you comic book fans out there, for anyone who listened to the Mister Miracle episode, Dark Side is yeah, <laughs> like Dark Side is a false god. He is the answer to everything, and that's how Elijah uh, appeared to everyone who followed him as well. Ooh, yeah. So I was like, I was like, get out of here, Muhammad is. <laughs> but um, but man, what a. What what a film. Any 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 closing thoughts regarding it regarding the film The Life The Man? Um, I mean what, I
1: I really love the ending, you know. Uh obviously Malcolm is assassinated as he gives a speech in front of his, his family and and many I knew others. that would be your favorite part. No, no, know. but the, but the the follow up to that <laughs> is so good. You know, they have uh they're showing classrooms learning about Malcolm X uh at the present time, which would have been uh, I guess 93 or 92 and you know, you see all these kids standing up and saying, I am Malcolm X, I am Malcolm X, you know. Um, and and then they, they kind of show you a bunch of different clips of Malcolm X. And, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a narration and it says, Malcolm was our manhood, our living black manhood, you know, and they call Malcolm an Afro-American. And I, it mm-hmm. actually, it actually choked me up that ending. I, I started to get a little teary eyed watching that. And, just thinking about, you know, the impact of his death and, you know, the fact that any time there's, there's a, a black person who starts to unite people or, you know, is, is such an influencer and, and just has, you know, such an impact on society, they, they unfortunately lose their life. And, you know, it's, uh, it's emotional and it's sad. And you've got to wonder what today, what would 2021 in the United States of America look like? <laughs> if people like Fred Hampton and Malcolm X and Martin Luther King hadn't been killed, you know, I, 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 I I don't know.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, you, um, what's interesting is that apparently at Fred Hampton's service in real life, uh, a bunch of the students, uh, like they were all like first grade kids, started standing up saying, "I am Fred Hampton." I am Fred ah, Hampton. Oh, really? According to somebody who actually, yeah, to actually, uh, ran, you know, held the service because uh, he was speaking and he was getting too choked up and couldn't couldn't finish the service, couldn't finish describing the short life of this amazing man. That's all, wow. And uh, and all the kids said, "I I am Fred Hampton." That's beautiful. And uh, just the same, they said, "I am Malcolm X." While well, uh, I believe it was Nelson Mandela. In, yeah, in the very I think end. so. I know. Yep. Yeah, so that was Nelson Mandela. Fun fact, he refused to say by any means necessary at the end of Malcolm's speech. So they had to cut in Malcolm uh, saying by any means necessary. And that's why it goes to credits interesting. Nelson Mandela refused. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know much about Mandela's whole uh, life or struggle. Yeah. I know he went to prison. I know he's a revered figure. Um, he was one of uh, Muhammad Ali's biggest fans. Yeah. But, uh but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably cover him in another episode, yeah. and I'll do a bunch of terrible impersonations oh, of boy. Morgan Freeman as he acts. as so, Speaking Denzel. of uh,
1: impersonations and acting, I
0: wanted to ask you, what do you think of Denzel as Malcolm X? Okay, thank you for asking. So when I f- the first part of this movie, I was like, okay, this is Denzel, yeah. right? Um, he's playing a fun role and everything, and I think that it was so important... That we do see that juxtaposition of who he was and the environment in which he was pr- presented to us versus Malcolm X. Yeah. And, um, and once, he, once he became Malcolm X, I was blown away by Denzel. And that really made me appreciate his acting earlier in the movie as well because they are so starkly contrasted with each other. That you know, Malcolm Little is not the same person as Malcolm X. All they share is a body and the first name, but they're, they're you know completely different people. Yep. I, obviously, like I said at the beginning of his life, he had certain characteristics which would later go on to 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 help him in, as an adult. Uh, but but wow, um, really really great work uh, from Denzel. And and I you know we didn't really grow up with Denzel being like the actor he you know he is known as. Like we we grew up you know or at least I didn't, you know, I knew Denzel was like a popular actor, but, you know, I hadn't seen Malcolm X. Um, you know, I, I hadn't, I hadn't seen a a large number of his work, but, um, I mean, I,
1: I, I've always considered him probably one of the greatest actors of all time, you know, and I think a lot of people, you know, I mean, (laughs) he's, he's really good, but you know, he does have his like certain like catchphrases, you know, like, and and certain things that he does that I think almost became, like, a joke, right? So, you know, yeah. seeing him in the beginning, you're like, oh, that's Denzel. But, I mean, again, this might have been before those things were commonplace. This was early in his career. It's kind of, like you said, I think— Yeah, like this was before training Yeah, day, it's put him kind of you know? on the map a little bit. And, you know, again, as Malcolm X, he's so different. So uh, it, it was a great uh, chance for him to show his acting chops, and I think he did uh, Malcolm's story justice.
0: It's funny because you can actually hear the way that he speaks and the way his son speaks when he's acting too. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, like they both have similar ways of pronouncing their R's. And I don't stuff, know if I've ever but, seen, uh, that but no, I was, was in. Black Klansman.
1: Oh, that's that's Denzel's yeah. son.
0: That's him. Oh, yeah, yeah no that's, idea. that's Denzel's son. Yep, and directed by. Yeah, Spike Lee. What Yeah, yeah, knew that. <laughs> he, he he loves those Washingtons, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I was um, you know, I was impressed obviously by by his acting um you know i thought angela bassett uh, did, did great as betty now uh, i i'm not i can't remember if it was this film or one night in miami it might have been one night but betty uh, in real life wasn't a huge fan of them having a fight on screen in which they were yelling which definitely happened in this movie too but apparently in real life they were they were much more agreeable like even if they did argue they would not raise their voices to each other mm. um you know, which also it show shows a different. You know, that's kind of a different version of Malcolm than is presented in the movie because we do see him yelling at her. We do see him kind of trying to exert some sort of power over her, um, as the character at least. And and to see her push back was that was was nice. interesting
1: yeah, definitely. That's that's awesome. Denzel's son was in Black uh, was in uh, Malcolm X as well. He's one of the students in the classroom.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I I you knew I knew he was
1: in that when I saw Black Lands. I just didn't know it was Denzel's son, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now we do. Um, but but yeah, what a, what a flick! And I think uh, just the very opening uh, title, in which they're showing clips of police brutality against black people, which he you know spike lee does at the end of uh, black klansman too like he he makes it very certain that if you didn't get the fucking message you're getting the message um but at the be at the in the opening titles of this we see an american flag a flag of the united states excuse me uh burning it's on fire which is awesome yeah. but then at the very end it becomes an x to represent him and just like you said when he was able he chose his own name at the end Uh, Sorry, chose his own identification as an Afro-American. It's like American did become part of him. Like whether he liked it or not, he was an American. And and really, I I think that that title is supposed to be showing us that, like Malcolm X is in all of us. If you were born on this soil, if you're born in the United States, like Malcolm X is in you in one form or another. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Like the next time you're you know you're feeling indignant about something about an injustice um more specifically you know let's say a racial injustice or or a class injustice like that that could very well be the malcolm x that's inside of you
1: well said well said
0: there you go um that being said if you want to find us on social media just search up the politipop podcast and then search up whatever uh fucking social media you want to see us on um listen i'm not too active on those anymore i'm really i'm really putting more attention into the podcast and the content of the podcast and less into the marketing and promotion of it if you guys want to listen listen if you want other people to listen tell them about it if you if you want other people to listen um you, sp- I, I, I don't know. Why I exaggerate the one you from the other. Um, if, but if you, the other person who wasn't, if you want people to listen, leave a five star review for us on 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 iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Even well, you read five it star review. on the
1: podcast if you want.
0: We will read it at the beginning of the episode so Everybody knows how awesome you are and how much you love or hate the podcast. Um. <laughs> Because we are liberal communist trash. Which are two very different things. They're so different. It was was a funny review. (laughs) It was. People don't don't fucking know, man. Even even fucking libs don't know. Um... But, uh, but yeah so that being said you can find us uh, you know find us wherever you can go to our YouTube uh, our YouTube channel as well if you enjoyed this episode remember that next week we are going to be reviewing Judas and the Black Messiah it is going to be released in theaters and on HBO Max the same day uh, so however is safe or, or, or feasible for you to watch it definitely watch it uh, it is a retelling of the, the story of Fred Hampton who led uh, a Chicago chapter of the Black Panthers party and was assassinated at only 21 years old old uh for 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 enacting incredible change in in such a short amount of time and we will also have my cousin on as a special guest that's right she is as i said before a Latina queen who who works uh in the mental health field and will be able to 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 speak to this and, and dive into it with us i i can't wait uh, I'm really I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, thanks, thanks to all of you who decide to download this or subscribe to this, even if you're not listening, just so we get the downloads. And uh, thanks, as always, to Antonia Chava for logo design. For the Politipop podcast, I have been Mike Butch. I have been Ty. And remember, no matter what you're watching, no matter what you're listening to, no matter what you're reading, no matter what you think you're learning, whatever it is, Never stop thinking, never stop learning, and always remember to read between the lines. And see that it is...